They're located at 6385 North Federal Boulevard with a great auto inventory. Give them a call at 303-298-1155. That's Magic Financing. Features Mago the Magician. They're open Monday through Friday until 8 and Saturday till 7. Check them out. That's Magic Financing. Call them today at 303-298-1155. Tell them you heard about it here at KUHSDenver.com. Also visit us at www.magicfinancing.com. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the council. I'm your host, Charlie Pacello, and boy, do we have a great show for you today here on the council. And, you know, what a beautiful day today here in Colorado. Uh, it's warm. It was cold. It's been pretty cold here the, <laughs> the last few days. And, uh, but we've, uh, we're, you know, that's just the way it is at this time of the year. And, uh, uh, you know, in between the holiday season, you know, the, I want to make sure that we're, we're t- remembering what's really important in each other's lives and uh, not to get too caught up in some of the madness that's going out on there and to remember what's really, truly important. Uh, and that's to connect with one another, to value each other, to appreciate each other, and to recognize that we got a whole lot more in common with each other than we do differences. Uh, I just want to thank my sponsor, Magic Financing, magicfinancing.com. If you didn't hear the commercial, that was them right there. Go to Mago the Magician. Uh, that's Maurizio uh, and uh, Edda and everyone down there. They will be able to help you to get a new car or a used car. They'll take care of you. Uh, just tell them Charlie sent you. Um, my family has been going there for decades. They're the ones to help you if you need a new or used car. So check out magicfinancing.com. Also, we are broadcasting here on KUHS TV Radio Denver, the stream. And we are the number one streaming service here in Denver, Colorado. And we rank third in the nation, which is pretty darn good. And uh, our commitment is to our listeners. And we want to provide you with the best programming that we can. And uh, we're touching lives all over the world. Not just here in Colorado, not just here in our beautiful nation, but also everywhere in, in so many different countries from around the world. Over 40-plus different countries tune into the council every week. We thank each and every one of you. Our numbers continue to go up. Uh, thank you. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, we just, it's our, our mission is to help give you the best programming we possibly can. And um, our reach continues to grow, and we are recognized as one of the best stations, not only in our nation, but around the globe. Um, we, our mission is to bring quality programming that reflects the diversity of our staff and to have honest, grounded, and authentic conversations about the many issues which confront our society. KUHS stands as a beacon of hope in a world filled with fear, distrust, and separation. We strive to bring our city, our nation, and our world together by providing a platform where we celebrate our commonalities, our goodness, and our humanity. At KUHS, you will find the best in bilingual programming, diversity of ideas and opinions, new shows, special series, community, self-help, talk, sports, all kinds of genre. Uh, And that's who we are, KUHS TV, Radio Denver, The Stream. Well, today we were, uh, we're kind of inaugurating or starting up something that I, I think is really important and is to, to really highlight some of our local heroes. 
that are doing things that are under the radar and not many people know about and, 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 and are really contributing and adding to our communities in ways that uh, are, are touching lives and, and holding on to the, the fiber that links us all together and to maintain a sense of um, a, a, a cultural identity that links people together from their ancestors to the present. And with so much going on in our, in our world today with, uh, with the pandemic and with uh, the crises that we've had, we experienced this year together, I, I, would, I really think it's important during this time to remember the goodness that lives in all of us, to remember the, the love that lives in all of us, that, yeah, we may think differently and have different ideas and opinions and all that, but we've we, we got to remember that in, deep down underneath um, – we, there's, a, uh, there's a goodness inside each and every one of us that's worth celebrating and honoring. And it's our local heroes that do things that don't draw a lot of attention, that don't uh, get the, the headline news, that are not uh, you know, being, uh, man- trying to manipulate you into doing anything. They're just doing good, honest, authentic, real work that is touching lives. And so we're going to do this, uh, and we're going to keep doing this as we, we reach out to other people in our community to highlight the things that they're doing to make our community better and better every day. And our first guest on this series is, uh, is Jenna Capra. She is the owner, editor, and publisher of Andiamo. A graduate of Colorado State University, Jenna began writing for Andiamo shortly thereafter, combining her love of writing with her passion for her Italian-American heritage. Inspired by her father and large Italian family stories of growing up in Italy and immigrating to the United States, it has always been a pleasure and an honor to learn and to share the stories of others. When the opportunity to step up as owner, editor, and publisher arose in 2011, Jenna took the leap in hopes of continuing the paper's legacy for the Italian-American community of Colorado. Over 100 issues later, and nearly 10 years later, she is still as passionate as ever and determined to keep improving the publication for years to come. Her website is www.andiamocolorado.com. And for those of you who don't speak Italian and need me to, uh, I will spell it out here really quick. It's Andiamo, A-N-D-I-A-M-O, Colorado.com. Welcome to the council, Jenna. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you for having me. Uh, you're kidding. I'm so excited to have you. <laughs> we, we have a, a little unbeknownst to many of you who tune in, but uh, Jenna is, uh, is a cousin of mine. Uh, and uh, we certainly know about this Italian heritage, and, um, and we're probably going to be sharing a few of the stories here today with you as well. But, Jenna, could you share with everyone just a little bit about your background and uh, where you grew up and, and where this Italian heritage passion came from? Sure. Um, I was born and raised in Arvada, Colorado. Um, I'm part of the first generation of my Italian side of the family to be born here so they immigrated my dad was about nine years old when he immigrated here with his parents and sister in about 1966 and they waited through the lottery and jumped through a lot of hoops to get over here and join the other half of the family that had gradually been immigrating over 
Um, they came from a small mountain town in Molise, Italy, called San Paolo Matese. Yes, um, oh, San Paolo. <laughs> That's <laughs> very it. small yeah. farming community. Very small, like really tiny. <laughs> Yes, so they wanted a better life, the kind of the old um, cliche, I guess. They thought the USA was the land of milk and honey. Mm-hmm. Um, they packed all their belongings into two large trunks, got on a ship across the ocean and a train ride across the country to get to Colorado. So um, they left behind everything. They didn't understand or know English at the time, but they still managed to make it here. And their stories always inspired me and instilled me with a ton of pride. Um, Just, you know, trying to keep that going. And I think, you know, in school growing up and stuff, I was obnoxious because I thought being Italian was so cool. Because <laughs> it is. there was an option to do a project or something right. and I had, had the choice, I would pick an Italian subject to do or, you know, it was not a secret that I was the Italian kid at school. <laughs> so, um, and then in college, uh, I discovered Andiamo. It was originally started by a man named Joe Aiello in 2003. Um, so while I was in college, I started reading it. And I thought it was just the coolest thing that existed for our community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after I graduated, I reached out to write for the paper. Um, Joe and the paper, they were pretty well staffed at the time. They didn't need help. So initially I got rejected. He said he didn't need any help. <laughs> um, but I reached back out to him. And once he saw how passionate I was and kind of explained the family story, he offered to let me write an article about our family's immigration story. And once he saw that, um, he let me write for the paper, and the rest is kind of history. So. Uh, that's so amazing. <laughs> and, you know, we, we are, it, it's so amazing because you and I, you, you've traveled to Sao Paulo. Yeah? You've been to the yes. little town. It is such a small little town. It's just this little yeah. village that's <laughs> on, the, on this little mountain in, in Molise. And Molise is this part of Italy that's like this really you know, almost forgotten part of Italy. It's like this still preserved. It's really beautiful. And, uh, and it's, it, it, it looks so, you know medieval looking but it's beautiful and it's it's quaint and there was four churches for 450 people in this town and so much of our heritage comes from this little place where our our grandparents and our uh, and our ancestors came from and our families came from because my mom immigrated uh, just like your dad uh, and and cousin uh, or your aunt immigrated mm-hmm. and so do you have any stories from them about their immigration and when they came uh, just offhand? Because I'd love for us to kind of because we're going to share a lot of stories here today. Yeah, I mean, they took the ship over and it wasn't, you know, like Ellis Island days where we were riding in steerage or anything. It was a fairly nice ship, um, but it was still by ship. <laughs> and so um, I remember my dad said they were all seasick. It was just kind of a rough ride over. And one night he was sitting at the head of the table and the waiter cut or server or whatever came around and asked what people wanted to eat and of course they don't really um want anything because they were just sick <laughs> and so my dad said i don't want anything but apparently he spoke for the entire table and so nobody got to eat that <laughs> um and then when they rode the train over um you know my dad he was nine and um his sister was a couple of years older and they were hungry and kind of fussy and they remember a really nice woman on the train giving them some candy um mm-hmm. and just you know kindness right off the bat um just trying to get over here not you know they're way in a way over their heads like they don't know any english and are just stressed trying to get over here doesn't it uh, don't you feel like it's a, it's an uh, we have to hold on to these stories 
I mean, it's like we, we can't let them go, no matter what culture or heritage you come from, but you want to hold on to them because they're a part of you. They're, you were connected to it. And I think one of the things that uh, both Jen and I have in common is we're both uh, creatives. We're both creative artists in our own realm. And I tend to work in the theater, acting, television, radio realm, and she works in the writing world. And she has had a passion for writing since uh, I can remember and uh, I would just love for you to be able to share just a little bit of where you, this passion for writing came from and what, what inspired you or who inspired you to be a journalist. Um, I, I feel like it was just by accident. As a kid, I always liked writing. I always enjoyed making like creative stories in school and, and just writing for fun, which is a weird thing to find fun. Um, <laughs> as far as journalism goes, I really never had an interest in it, especially in college when it was trying to, you know, narrow things down and find a career path. Um, journalism just didn't appeal at all. I specifically didn't do the journalism branch. Um, I went with communications instead because I felt like that had a little bit more of the creative angle, the marketing and business kind of melded together to make it a little more practical for me and my interests. Um, and then just kind of fell into it with Andiamo. And obviously it's not hard news or um, and, you know anything like that, but just trying to find a way to make that writing field work. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you're doing it and you're doing it very successfully. I mean, you're remembering the stories. You. <laughs> How often it is is that we forget our stories. We forget where we come from. Uh, and, you know, our our ancestors, like our, they, they came because of the I, idea that America was a land of milk and honey. It was, it was the opportunities. They were coming away after World War II. And the, Italy at that time was was you know, decimated, it was ruined, it was, uh, there was no way to be able to really make a living and they struggled and, and those little towns, those little villages were suffering and so they came over here for that opportunity and mm -hmm. the struggles and they didn't know the language. I mean, how hard was that for your dad and your uh, aunt, our, you know, my uncle and my aunt uh, to be able to, to get through that, that struggle of learning a new language? I mean, I it's hard to imagine. It's just, it's incredible to hear their stories and to know. I mean, my dad talks about being in school and just kind of staring out the window for the first year or so. Um, you know, fortunately, they were in North Denver and there were other Italian kids and stuff that they could kind of get along with and, and got some help from and stuff too. But it wasn't like today where we have a lot more support and programs and, and classes and stuff. Um, <laughs> I know another story with my no-no, um, my grandpa, he, you know, they put all their stuff in these trunks when they came over and he, he was kind of resistant to coming over in the first place. His family is still out in Sao Paulo and in Italy right now, even, um, and Nona's side is the side that came over. Um, so when they came over, you know, he, he had to find work and it was such a struggle and he refused to unpack those trunks for like the first half year or year because it, it was so hard to find work and, and see if they were even going to stay. Yeah. Well, and it, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that story about your nono, because uh, uh, his nono is my my uncle. Um, I was talking to our, I think it was uh, your grandma, about this story about when they came, and it was they were there was the concern about getting work and employment. Your nono wasn't uh, very happy about it. He was very anxious and, and suffering from a lot of anxiety. And uh, a friend who ended up becoming his employer, Gino, 
who my mom, when she was 18 years old and was in Sao Paulo, was, uh, was, uh, had met him there and had put her name, number, and address in the po- – gave him to Gino. They put it in the pocket. He put it in his pocket, in his coat pocket. And he ended up – that was in Sao Paulo. When he came over here to Colorado and they were looking at trying to build his company and where he was going to, uh, you know, lay call home, and he was going to leave Denver, and he ended up reaching in that pocket of his jacket, and he found that paper that uh, my mom had written him, and he called it, and he went over to the house, and your nono was there, and he started to say, you know, that guy, <laughs> he needs to relax a little bit, and then ended up, uh, you know, they started working together. He says, you're going to work for me. And after that, they, they built an amazing company. It was because of your no-no. Yeah, he was an incredibly hard worker and very skilled. Very skilled. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Super yeah. skilled. Yeah. I just don't even know how you develop that kind of skill. And, and you know, it's, again, not so much like technical learning and schooling like we're used to. And they just picked up things and refined it and knew. And, I mean, it, it just kind of turns around, too. It speaks to the community connections and that was how a lot of people did come over here and then they helped each other find work and supported each other and sponsored each other. Um, after my nono was working for that metal company, um, he wound up meeting another Italian guy that um, Tony Pecha, I don't know yeah. if you are familiar with him and he worked for that same company for a while and now he's gone on and made his own business with A&M Steel and you know our families are still very close and um, it's just kind of that whole community support, and it's still very important in the Italian community. So absolutely, and it needs to be uh, you know celebrated and connected. And if we don't hold on to the stories, we if we don't remember those stories, we forget what our what our what our ancestors, what our what our family sacrificed in order to to come here. And so, if you could just share with us just a little bit of what is Andiamo? What is what is this newspaper that you are now the owner? Uh, publisher and, and trailblazing entrepreneur. Uh, could you share with us what, what Andiamo is? Sure. Um, Andiamo is Italian, uh, Colorado's Italian-American community newspaper. It means let's go in Italian. The word Andiamo means let's go or we go. Um, and that's always just kind of been at the heart of the publication. It's supposed to be a unifying source of information and news and entertainment um, for this community, just a source of pride, a big celebration of all things Italian and Italian American. Um, I should probably mention it's written in English. It's not Italian specific. Anybody can enjoy it. We have people that are Italian and we have people that are just Italian files that just love Italian culture and things and they enjoy the paper just as much, sometimes more than others <laughs> <laughs> that's true um yeah. but i mean we've done stories on everything from like amaretto to zambelli or zamboni um and you know italians fortunate for me have a lot of history to pull from so i don't feel like i'm at any risk of running out of topics anytime soon <laughs> there's just always an italian tie-in or connection so oh it's so great i mean it, 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 so many places uh could benefit from being able to learn you know to we, we're, we come from such a, you know, um, a rich culture, a rich heritage, and have had such an impact in so many different places in the world. And, and a lot of people don't realize what an impact the Italians and the Italian-Americans had in just the, in the region of, of Colorado and how early their history goes back to, you know, the, in the roots that they planted here in the, in the late 1800s. 
And but before we get into some of these stories, I would just love for you, you know, Jenna, you know, you're a, well, I think you're amazing. Uh, and, you know, and, and of course, I'm biased because you're my cousin. But you're a, you're a woman entrepreneur. You're trailblazing across this renewed landscape in this Italian-American community here in Colorado. And you need to be your magazine and the people you who work for you need to be celebrated and recognized uh, and seen for what you do. And I'm sure you face challenges and obstacles along the way. So what are some of the challenges you've had to face as you've grabbed this opportunity, uh, this entrepreneurial opportunity to take over Andiamo and resurrect a community newspaper that actually was on the verge of disappearing? Um, so there's just been a lot. I, I should probably preface when I did start writing for the paper, it was owned by Joe Aiello, I mentioned, um, he ceased publication in 2010, October, 2010. Um, and I was pretty disappointed at the time. And I think a lot of the community was. And so in early 2011, he was looking to sell the publication rights and find somebody that could kind of carry on on Diamo forward for the community. Um, and I, took that jump. I'm not really sure why. I mean, it was just a, a good marriage of my passion for Italian culture and writing. Um, but I knew nothing about running a business, let alone a newspaper, which is a very strange industry to get into these days. Um, so there's been a lot of learning as I go, sometimes learning the hard way as I go. Um, the thing with, I think, newspapers is it's a very again, a kind of a strange industry to be in right now. And mm -hmm. we are a monthly publication. So we have 12 issues and those deadlines are always looming. Um, there's always a lot of shifting pieces in play each month and a lot of uncertainty at times, but those deadlines are very certain. And so um, it's kind of a weird balance to find where you have to plan out things in advance and try to have things down to the detail, but also keep it somewhat flexible. So if something falls through, a writer misses a deadline or an advertiser is having trouble getting their artwork to you, you can still accommodate that and, and keep going. Um, I think also being a small business owner is just tough in general. I had to learn, you know, accounting and how to manage uh, advertising and subscribers. Um, it's it gets easy to feel a little worn too thin at times just because I wear so many hats. I do a lot of the writing, the editing. I do all the graphic design these days. <laughs> um, I've been over the papers each month, and my dad helps with that. I should mention that because he'll be mad if I don't. Um, <laughs> That's but, right. You I better mean, mention it's, that. It's important. <laughs> yes, he, he's a valuable employee. <laughs> he is. He totally is. He is. Um, um, but yeah, so it's hard to just find that balance, I think, and to try to not be, um, you know, it's you're wearing a lot of hats, you feel stretched a little thin at times, but, you know, I keep trying to come back to why I do it and that the work is important and, mm -hmm. you know, the passion is still there. And I think it is important to keep this paper going. So even when things are getting a little overwhelming behind the scenes, you know, I, I feel like every issue we print is important and yeah. um you know when i finally have it in hand it's it makes it feel worth it so wow, that's so great you know and, and i think it's i think it's what you hit on right there you know it's so important to know why you do what you do and and especially when you're working in um in the creative world and you're and you're producing a paper and you're working in a digital age i mean you're having to compete in a digital age 
where everything is on people's phones, where everything is, you know, on our computers and, you know, and, and it's do people pick up newspapers anymore and, and, and how to be able to continue on in that environment is so, so challenging because, you know, other newspapers before this never had to experience these kinds of competitors in the field before. And so I think it's so important to know why you do what you do as a, as a motivator to get you up saying, this is why I'm doing it. This is why it's so important. And could you just share a little bit about why you do what you do and what keeps you motivated uh, in this pursuit of preserving and protecting and honoring our, uh, our Italian culture and heritage? Um, I mean, I think you kind of summed it up right there. It's just it, it is important to me. And I think having grown up hearing these stories and um, just not seeing them represented other places, mm -hmm. um, it was important to me to try to help get those out there. When I was even just writing for the paper, I just thought that was the most important thing. You know, I know there's big success, success stories out there and there's big brands and big names, um, but there are those smaller immigration stories like my family and mm -hmm. um, just so many others that are not told. And mm -hmm. if they're not told and they're not preserved, then they disappear. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we try to do a good mix of stuff with the paper too. We do big names, we do small stories, um, just mm -hmm. try to represent everybody in a way that makes us all proud and yeah. Well, you know, you've made all of us proud. For sure, absolutely. Well, I try. <laughs> you have, and and it is, and, and and it's because of your your sincerity, your genuineness, your uh, your authenticity, that it, as uh, I'm sure our viewers and our listeners are, are picking up already, that enables you to fulfill that mission and to continue on and to be as successful as you have been over these ten years. Um, and I and I also think your staff. You've got an amazing staff as well that you have um, accrued over the years. And I would love for you to talk a little, about, little bit about how you found your staff and the other writers uh, that are on your staff and, and who they are and, and, and how they contribute. Sure. Um, for the most part, I would say that they found me and I am very fortunate and grateful for that. Um, a few of them were previous writers for Andiamo when I had taken over and they were just interested in continuing. Uh, a couple of them I have picked up along the way, and a lot of times it'll start with somebody saying, I have this idea, or I'd like to submit something, um, and, you know, seeing that they're interested and, and just kind of saying, let's run with this, let's see what we can do with it, um, and hopefully they don't regret it in the long run, <laughs> but um, there's, it, we're very small staff. I mean, there's just a few contributing writers for the most part, and they just devote their time. It's It's a generous thing for them to do. Um, we are such a small publication, too. You know, it's not like they're making the big bucks and it's a monthly thing. So they, you know, write an article a month for me. And it's because they care about the community and they're, you know, proud of what they're doing, too. And they see the value in it. So I'm, I'm really appreciative for everything they do, and especially <laughs> when the deadlines get scary. And, and you're I know on the phone and you're mind. calling them like, I need the I need the article. I need the article. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, we deal with. Um, like I said, a variety of people. So we have, sometimes they're calling people that, you know, it's a big brand or it's, it's a place and they have a marketing team or the PR firm and, and, you know, you're going through all these different channels. And then there's also the, the mom and pop shops and they've never done an interview in their life. They don't even have a logo, you know? And so it's just, it's an incredible variety of how to do these articles and you never really know what you're going to get. And 
what I'm going to throw at them too. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, uh, you know, uh, could you share their names and who they are just a little bit about, uh, you know, so that people get an idea because it's, I I think uh, what I was trying to get to is there is that all the contributors are women, which I think is so fantastic. It's so like brilliant that there you have a, like a, 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 all women staff and all and, and and so yeah, I think people need to know um, how. I mean, you're ahead of the game, Jenna. You're way ahead of the game. <laughs> well, it's all awesome. it's all by chance. Um, the again, the writers are you know volunteering most of their time. Um, we have Jenna Pecha. Um, she again, if, I don't know, circling back, Tony Pecha's daughter. She, um, again, our families have always been very close, and she was one of the people I reached out to, and she wrote an article for me a long time ago, and I enlisted her pretty quickly. <laughs> um, she writes pretty regularly. We have um, Robin Ferrugia. She's one of the previous writers from Andiamo, as well as Dominique Lilo. Um, and then somebody worth mentioning is Elisa DiGiacomo, who is the one of the senior curators at History Colorado. Um, so she does the Page and Time, which is our black and white photos from history that people really enjoy seeing. It's kind of a grab bag from the History Colorado archives. Mm. And Elisa's done so much to preserve our history with History Colorado, and they did an Italian-American exhibit years ago. Um, and they've just, you know, always encouraged people to send their photos and their stories to them. And so they'll com- you know, compile that page in time each month. And I never know what's coming. So it's a grab bag for me, too. And people <laughs> love seeing that page and, and recognizing, you know, that's my aunt or I know who that is. And it helps History Colorado as well, because sometimes they post pictures where they don't know the names or the dates. And so they can feel some information from the readers if they know. Um, and then Elisa also does along the same lines, a community stories article, which is a historical article from her own research that she's, you know, pulls up a figure from Colorado history to research for the month and, and does that article. So that's always a um, one that people look forward to. So. So brilliant. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, it's really, and, and you've done this without seeking any kind of uh, fame or you're just doing it because you have a passion for it. Just because you love it and people are gravitating towards that. And it's just, it's so, you know, I, I think we need uh, to, to recognize the, that, you know, what people have inside of their hearts is what matters and, uh, and not to really get caught up in, in, in a lot of things that what people say. It's what people do and, and, and you're, you have done it and you've, co- you've allowed people to coalesce around you. That that have this sense of this is bigger than us, and we want to preserve this because this is way bigger than us. This is just our opportunity, and this is how we do it, and, and we're going to do it uh, in spite of the obstacles, in spite of the challenges. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's great. So, you now what kind of what kind of stories and articles are featured in Andiamo? I know you have a whole lot of uh, variety that is featured, correct? Yes, um, we feature everything, all sorts of things. So I try to have a good mix in every issue. Um, We cover topics past to present, local to international. Um, I always try to have, you know, some sort of informational article or topic that focuses on Italian or Italian American culture, traditions, history. 
um, as well as usually a local piece that spotlights a business, family, individual, organization, event, something from Colorado. So I try to kind of have those always represented. Um, we have those historical pages that I mentioned that History Colorado helps provide. Um, we also do, I have a regular feature called In the Community. Um, that one is for and by the community. It's basically a section that I have um, it kind of rotates in and out and it's something I encourage people from the community to submit to where mm -hmm. they, if, you know, there's a positive event that has happened recently in the community, they just have to write a paragraph, send a picture or two, um, let us know what's been going on. So, you know, things like business anniversaries, they're celebrating, um, organizational events, bochi tournaments, um, parties, those kind of things, just, you know, fun, positive things, volunteer events. Um, that the community has been up to just to keep us all in the know and to share that, you know, we are out there doing these things and um, otherwise might not get seen. Um, we also have a, a Leggiamo, which are book reviews, and that's written by a gentleman named Jerry DeFelice. Mm -hmm. And he's another one that just kind of offered to do it. He loves to read and thought he would um, offer his help. And so he does that occasionally. Um, we have Taste of Italy sometimes, which are recipes that um, we ask the community to share. Not oh. everybody wants to share their family. <laughs> Nobody wants, yeah. they, don't want, they don't want to get the family secrets and all that <laughs> stuff. They're like, that's as far as we go. We're yeah. not giving you our pizzail <laughs> recipe. It's too, it's yeah. ours. <laughs> yeah. well, and I'm sure you've seen, but a lot of the times those old recipes are not recipes. They're just, you put that much in yeah. and like, and when it's yeah. this thick, then it's ready. And like, They're like a little dab here and you put some of this sugar here and you put some of this yeah. and that. And then it, you're like, oh my gosh, it tastes amazing. But you can, there's no way to put that in a recipe. Yeah. <laughs> you, you just got to know, you got to feel it out, do it, you know, 40 years and then you'll maybe get close. To you'll <laughs> maybe. That's when you're a master craftsman at that point. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's um, awesome. Um, and do can people do submissions and suggestions? I mean, is that do you allow? Do you accept those things uh, from outside? Yeah, I always encourage ideas and suggestions, especially story ideas. Um, people that you know, if you know a business owner, a family, a story out there, I'm always encouraging people to contact me. Um, it's really simple too. I mean, just give me a little background information and the contact information, so that in theory I could put a writer in touch with people to do an interview. Um, submissions, same thing, just contact me if, if you're interested and, you know, we'll get you the information you need. I can't always use everything. Mm -hmm. um, I try my best and, and with the scheduling, sometimes it takes a while before I can get to something, but I do try my best to, to get everyone represented as much as I can. Um, and just in general, too, story ideas, topics that people want to see us cover if they want to learn about polenta or, you know, a certain <laughs> a city in Italy or something. Um, I'm always looking for ideas and suggestions and just feedback, things that people like and don't like about the paper. Unfortunately, most of it's been positive. So. <laughs> well, that's right. It, well, because it is. It's, it's fantastic. <laughs> it's such a, you know, it's such a, so great to just like hold on to a paper. You know, and just to yeah. be able to flip the pages. It's not something that you, when you look on your phone and you flip it, you're actually flipping through the, the pages. And yeah, if you could show that it's for everybody, the, the, the actual I'm, magazine. I'm biased, but I think it's a, it's a beautiful paper. I mean, we're, it's full color and it's large and just, you know, we try to do our best <laughs> to make everybody look good. And we want people to be proud when they're in our pages, whether we're featuring them in an article or they're one of our advertisers, you know, we're proud to have them in here. So I want them to be proud of it. So um, 
Well, it looks beautiful. It, it is. And, it's, it, and you've got so many incredible stories, I'm sure, over the last 10 years, Jenna, that you have collected. Um, you, must got, you must have a library. Of, of stories. I, I do. I have way too many newspapers stacked yeah. up in every corner. <laughs> do you so, do you hold on to one like uh, uh, one newspaper from every production? Have you like held on to one of those? Yep. Yeah, definitely. For me, I definitely keep at least one copy. For me, I have um, storage containers full of some of the back issues, just in case anybody ever wants one of those. I offer those, you know, for purchase if somebody found out that they're uncle was in you know may 2015 <laughs> i can pull one out and hopefully get it to them um so i mean yeah we've we've got newspapers everywhere <laughs> <laughs> well i would love you know for us to kind of like uh, take this latter part of the show into just sharing some of these stories that you have uh, been so privileged to hear i mean and, and that's what i think being doing the work the creative work that you do and preserving that and writing it. Writing is such a, it's such a, you know, a purposeful and meaningful um, occupation because you're right, you're keeping, you're preserving these stories in word. And I'm sure you've heard some incredible, incredible stories. And I would love for you to be able to share some of the stories that you've heard so that we can understand, our audience can understand a little bit uh, about the, uh, the impact uh, of the Italian American community that 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 has had that people have had on our country and our state and and maybe people like us don't know about that we should know about. Sure. Um, so you told me you were going to ask um, about some of these stories. So I pulled up. I just decided to focus on just 2020 because after 10 years, there's just so many to choose from, and it's just any issue you can pull out something. So. Um, I just grabbed one of each <laughs> um, and pulled out a couple of the stories. But I mean, it is, it's true. There's just, Italians have had an influence on almost anything. If you look, there's a tie, um, even just the foundations of American democracy, you know, two Italians signed the Declaration of Independence, which people mm. don't realize. And wow. when Thomas Jefferson wrote it, he was heavily inspired by the Italian philosopher, writer, and his friend, uh, Filipp Filippo Mazzei. And so, you know, just Italians have contributed so much. They love wow. this country. Wow. Um, that's, that's really cool. I mean, I'm an American <laughs> history major. I was, uh, that's what I majored in. And I didn't know that. That's really it cool. It doesn't get told. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I'm going to have to go back. I'm going to go complain to the academy right now. And say, what? <laughs> hey, how do I not know this? That's amazing. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's really yeah. cool. So um, I'll go real quick. I don't want to do too much. I, and I hope I don't misspeak or anything on people's stories. That's always something I worry about. But um, so for January 2020, we went and looked at Colorado in 1920 and what it was like for Italians in Colorado during that decade. Um, you know, people don't always realize the discrimination and danger that existed for Italians back then and, and other immigrants at the time. Um, you know, there was the KKK was very prominent and did not like Catholics or Italians. And nope. um they didn't. There was a, the crime families that existed, the mafia, the emergence of the mafia and that branch here, you know, um, the bootlegging during prohibition and things like that. But also, you know, we looked at some of the positives and despite all those, the racism and the danger and, and such, um, Italians were starting to come into their own, their communities and find that acceptance and start small businesses, you know, usually as grocers and, and farmers, um, but, you know, really starting to become part of the community and, and 
rising in the ranks a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, in February, we have a story on Nick Cabara, who was an immigrant. He came over here in 1906 as a child. Um, he went on to become a photographer who had his own studio that he ran from about 1921 to 1961. Mm-hmm. Um, it was called Cavara Studios, and he photographed everything in North Denver, so much of the community's history, he, every wedding photo, communion photo. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you just see that stamp or his signature on so many of those old photos. And so people were always curious, you know, what is this on my grandparents' wedding photo, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and their family had reached out and, and offered some of their information and photos. And so again, it's just, you know, people reaching out and saying, we have the story and, and then we get to run with it. So the so Italians have been here in the Colorado area since the late 1890s, right? Right around that time? I believe so, yeah. And then they were in, primarily in North Denver, is that? Uh... North Denver is where, so there, I mean, there's pockets. A mm-hmm. lot of um, Southern Colorado has a very strong population as well. There was a lot of Italians that came over and worked in the mining um, communities. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that's not well-known. Um, but yeah, North Denver is where a lot of them located. We had our own little Italy area for a long time, kind of centered around the Mount Carmel Church mm-hmm. in North Denver, which is still there and still very much the Italian church. Yeah, we know that. Because <laughs> <laughs> our, gra- our grandparents actually lived in the house right across. That's where they, when they immigrated here, they were right across from Mount Carmel. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I mean, everybody seems to have been married and had their communion there. And yeah. um, and they still do. They have a Primo Dominica Mass the first Sunday of every month, which is Italian spoken. And then following that, they had a cultural breakfast that was usually put on by one of the Italian organizations where everybody could go, you know, congregate. Obviously, all that's kind of on the hold right now. But <laughs> yeah. um, it was just it was still one of those things that they did to kind of keep those traditions going in their community engaged. And, and people really enjoyed that. So, um should I keep going with stories? Yeah, keep going. Share these stories. <laughs> They're so boring. Um, it's not boring at all. Actually, I think it's like we we tend to forget that it's these stories. You know, we're story making creatures. We tell stories. We when we were, you know, back in ancient times, we told stories around the fire. We and this was how it connects us to each other by sharing the stories that make us who we are. But if we don't share those stories and we don't know it, then we still remain disconnected. We don't know where, where the struggles that people had. We don't know the ch- what challenges that they had to overcome. We don't know our own history. We don't know what we don't know. And so, and, and I think that's something we're, we're, in, we're desperately in need of so that we can hear each other. And I, and I right. think it's telling those stories is so, so important. So share it. Share the stories. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe we can come back to that, too, because I just feel like that's a big part of this. And it's something I repeat a lot to people, you know, with like New Year's resolutions coming up. I usually try to say, you know, make a point to preserve your stories, preserve those family artifacts, the photos. Um, you know, we just take it for granted that, you know, we have so many conveniences and comforts these days. I mean, we can take 100 selfies a day if we want. And our grandparents were lucky to have five photos ever. And if mm-hmm. any of those have survived today, you know, they're lucky. So it's just, we just take it for granted. And then when it's too late, or, you know, we say like, oh, they know who those people are. But then you look at the picture 20 years from now, and it's like, who, who are these people in this? <laughs> yeah, <I noticed laughs> like, this. What's going on here? We don't know. Yeah. Well, I have those some of those pictures, too, where you look at them, and they're from uh, my father's side of the family, and you don't know who they are. You're trying to figure out, well, 
obviously this picture was taken right around you know 1920 1930 but i don't know who they are and mm-hmm. how to link them and so it's so important so critical so share share more let us right. let <laughs> us just, learn a little bit and you can stop me <laughs> i'll stop you when we have to like move towards okay. a different part but okay. i i, I want to celebrate a little bit of the I, I want through you and through andiamo the a little bit of our italian heritage here um, so yeah. Um, so coming to March, that's always um, International Women's Day. So I like to use March as our uh, Women's Month feature and try to feature Italian women locally and historically. And um, so this year we looked at Anna and Anna C and her daughter Michelle Witten of the C Foundation, which some people might be familiar with. They're one of the foremost leaders in research, medical care, and advocacy for Down syndrome. And they run the center at the Children's Hospital here in Colorado. Um, Just incredible people. Um, Anna came over from Campania in 1955. She immigrated. Um, She and her husband started the C Foundation in 1991, I believe. And Anna's also done a lot for Italian culture and heritage and language through Denver University as well, because that's still very important to her. Um, oh, and, so, and now her daughter is the one that's kind of running things and, and taking that family legacy forward, too. So we focused on them for March. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That's beautiful. Um, really in April. Beautiful. We looked at, it was another reader submitted thing. It was the Hilltop Diner and Lounge. Um, It was a look back at basically a historical hangout off West 48th um, between Sheridan and Harlan. It was started by two Italians, Joe Murrow Jr. and Roxy Danuzzi, and they served in World War II together. And when they came back, they bought the lounge and and ran that for decades. And so it was just a lot of, you know, kind of reminiscing of the Mm -hmm. community memories of that you know, lounge, it's the all-American diner, but it was run by Italians. (laughs) Right, of course. um, In May, we looked at gardens in Italy, so we turned to um, the Center Greenhouses, which were, it's a huge name in Colorado, Greenhouses. Um, It started with an Italian farmer named Pietro Iantorno, who immigrated in 1882. Whoa, Um, wow. Yeah, he taught his son August everything he knew, and they sold their produce at the um, historical Denargo Market in Denver. Um, wow, that's years. really cool. 1882, yeah. he, they, he immigrated here. Yes. Wow. So I, they long-standing, you know, they had that land, they worked it forever. And then when August taught his sons, they started building greenhouses on the land and just, you know, kept expanding until they were just such a huge name. They were a major production for carnation flowers in Colorado, as well as produce and just you know, everything green. <laughs> <laughs> everything green and vegetable-y and, and, and yes. yummy. <laughs> everything that grows. Their food and their gardening. I think one of the interesting things I've noticed, too, and, and heard from people is that um, a lot of the Italians that came to Colorado are from more of the mountain and rural areas of Italy and that they were drawn because of the Rockies and the, you know, it reminded them of home. Whereas, you know, people from some of the coastal areas in, in Italy and Sicily and stuff, you know, they would come and, and settle on the coast where they could do fishing and, and things that were more in line with what they knew. That's amazing. Um, That's really, that makes sense. I mean, because yeah. where our family comes from, there's obviously there's a lot of mountains. It was just mountainous area and uh, they were landlocked. <laughs> so, yeah, but it kind of reminds you of home a little bit. Yeah, you know? yeah <laughs> so. of course, of course. Um, in June, we looked at Shudo's Supermarkets. It was another, you know, just kind of small immigration story, a Sicilian couple, uh, Giuseppe and Maria Shudo, which got anglicized into Shuto. 
Um, they had immigrated in the early 1900s. They had just a small produce market with their kids um, and that grew. And then in the 1940s, they created a grocery store on 48th and Tihon. Mm. And they, you know, served a lot of the community and they also were known for carrying some of the specialty Italian items that people couldn't find other other places. You know, it wasn't like now where you can kind of specialty order things or or just hop to a, a bigger <laughs> store. No, you didn't have you don't have any specialty. What do you want? I want yeah. some sausage or meatballs. <laughs> I want the, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there wasn't there wasn't any specialty orders, no. No. So you were lucky if you could find it. Um but they served a lot of that, and that went on, I think, through the early 1980s wow. when they, those finally stopped. But um, in July, we looked at the Pocone family, um, which was going kind of back to what I mentioned with the southern communities of Colorado. Um, Carmine Pocone immigrated from Abruzzo in 1901. He wow. was 16, and he worked in the coal mines all across Colorado. You know, he traveled where there was work, and so he worked at Durango, Louisville different mines. Um, eventually he earned enough that he could purchase two taverns that he ran with his brother through prohibition era. So, you know, kind of that transition from coal mining to tavern owning, <laughs> from coals to spirits. Wow. But that, I mean, to come over, I mean, it, it, we, we take it for granted. And, and even our, our, uh, your dad and, and, uh, aunts and my, and my cousins and my mom, and, you know, they came here and they, much like what the, what you're talking about with the, with the, they didn't know the language they just came here with the dream with a dream in their heart with a promise without having ever, they didn't have you know pictures that you could download on your computer today and say oh you know I, I really like Colorado look at the mountains no they didn't know they just went yeah. you know and the courage that it took to be able to just say we're leaving what we know behind us and we're going to get on a boat and we're going to cross an ocean. We've never even seen the the ocean. We've never even seen the sea. And we're going to cross that <laughs> to some yeah. unknown place that I don't know the language in. That uh, And I'm going to start a new life because I got a dream inside. I, I think it's absolutely, when I hear stories like that, uh, and I think of our, it's just incredible. Yeah. I, I mean, it's intimidating to move anywhere yeah. <laughs> it's like we have every convenience in the world we can connect yeah. I mean, just being able to have a zoom call i mean when they immigrated here they weren't going to talk or see their loved ones and friends again for decades if they were lucky you if know, they were lucky can, instant. and that's one of the nice things too with today you know they can connect on social media like my dad's on whatsapp with his cousins and facebook now <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. you know they went decades without ever talking and seeing each other so <laughs> Well, it was like, I, I think um, uh, our, my mother was, uh, she didn't see her dad for five years. Right. You know, no communication. There was, <laughs> there was, and now we have it. So uh, we, we don't understand. We, we, and that's why preserving these stories is so, so critical. It's, it, I, it's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so August, right? Are we in July or oh, August? Yeah, August. August. <laughs> if you want to keep going. No, I want to, uh, yeah, August. Well, August is... Uh, Best month of the year. <laughs> Is that your first month? That's right, yeah. <laughs> um, so we looked at libraries in Italy, which was surprisingly interesting. 
Um, and then we looked at an author and professor here, Cosetta Seno. She works at CU Boulder. Mm -hmm. um, she's an associate professor. She's written a lot on Italian writing and does women's studies as well. She was another um, individual who immigrated over here when she was 25 and she's been living here and, and working. And so we talked to her about the significance of Italian writers. And um, so that was just really fascinating. In September, we did shoes because Italian shoes. Oh, are the best! <laughs> they make the best shoes. I mean, you walk down Rome, you go to what is it, the uh, Spanish, the, the Piazza di Spagna, and they got mm. all the stores on all the side, and there's shoes, shoes, the best shoes yeah. in the world, I think. So we found a, a local shoe store that started with again an Italian immigrant from Abruzzi. He mm. came over in 1956. Um, his name was Michelangelo. And he was a shoemaker out there. And traditionally, he had a donkey that he carried all his tools on. And tragedy struck. They were fording a river. And the donkey drowned along with all his tools. So he was just ruined. But a cousin who had previously immigrated over here, or an uncle, sorry, an uncle that came over here, had sent a letter asking if anybody in the family wanted to come immigrate over in, I think it was around uh, the 1950s when he got the letter. Um, so he came over and, you know, taught his family his shoemaking skills. And now there's a Museli's shoe shop in Wheat Ridge, Colorado, to this day. Wow. Um, what a great story. <laughs> that's a real, that's a fantastic, that's a fabulous story. Wow. There's, there's just so many. <laughs> Do you feel like when you, when you hear these stories, I mean, it, it's like they're, people are giving you a part of their, their spirit and their soul. And it's mm -hmm. like, I mean, it's, I don't know, you feel so rich, I think, when, you know. Do you feel that? Do you feel like you've been enriched when people okay. share these um, stories with you about you yeah, know, where I'm they always, came I from? Yeah, I'm always, I mean, it's just, I'm always so appreciative. I, I hear these, it's so generous, I think, of people to share their photos and their family memories with us and let everybody in and, and read these things. And I think we all do, you know, we recognize similar things from their stories with our own, um, but they're all different. You know, there's mm -hmm. all, always a unique take and so... Yeah, that's the thing, you know, you think, well, you've heard one immigration story and, and how many of these after 10 years, but they're always different. So. <laughs> Which makes it so exciting, I think, you know, yeah. for you. Well, um, is there a favorite article that you've had or, the, you know, um, or two of the, over the years that you've written that uh, really stand out for you, Jenna? So I think, uh, I mean, there's been so many fun ones. I think one of my favorites personally was the one I wrote with um, – not with, but of my Nona. My Nona Adelia Capra has always been very important to me. She's, and uh, She's amazing. I, she is amazing. <laughs> she's amazing. <laughs> um, I went and made pizzales with her, the Italian cookies. They're like waffle cookies for people that haven't seen them. Um, and she has always made them for the family. She makes them for all the weddings, the parties, anything. And it's a factory. She makes hundreds. And so I went over to help her. And I've gone over a couple of times to try to learn and help her. And... I'm a disaster in the kitchen and she has it down to such a perfect science. It's an art form. I mean, she knows exactly how long on the iron and, and just, it's incredible. Um, but so I, you know, I wrote a story kind of just about standing at her side, learning and, and despite all my mistakes, you know, that experience has just been incredible for me. So that, that's <laughs> one of my favorite ones to have written and, and writing the story about my family's immigration story, that very first article I wrote for Andiamo ever. Yeah. Um, I just thought that was really special to be able to do. 
and and they were pretty happy to be in the paper too. So and now I think my dad's addicted because he always wants to be on the cover. And <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound like your dad at all. Oh no, <laughs> yeah, no. no, not at all. Um, and well, I just I, you know we've only got a few more minutes here, uh, Jenna and. I just uh, are there any favorite issues that you have uh, overall things that like really wow that was like something that you're just so proud of you know just it gives you such a sense of pride uh, for having having put it together um I think I would say uh, it's hard every every issue is you know something I'm proud of when it when I have it yeah, true, <laughs> leading true, up true, to true. it sometimes I'm not as happy or <laughs> <laughs> or generous towards it but um i would say maybe the it was september 2019 last year um we did it was holy cannoli and it was technically my 100th issue as the owner and editor mm. of andiamo so mm. not only did we spotlight one of italy's best sweets most famous sweets but it was kind of an extra sweet issue for me and i celebrated at the end by eating a lot of cannoli from <laughs> <local> <laughs> deli. So, um, that was that was fun we also looked at it was kind of a fun take um for people that have been to some of the italian delis there's a, a savory cannoli with one end and it's like a sausage roll or a calzone mm-hmm. and that's been one of those mysteries it's like why why do we have that what is a cannoli versus the dessert cannoli and so we, we tried to investigate that kind of mysterious history. And it's it's still a little ambiguous, but there's a North Denver um, origin story to that. And it's just one of those unique Colorado things. It's not something you'll find in other Italian communities. So. Oh, wow. Wow. Because you know, I love both of them. I mean, I love, <laughs> yeah. I love, the, I love the dessert cannoli and I love the other cannoli. Uh, and, uh, well, I think it's just, uh, just amazing, Jenna, what you've been able to do. And, and, and and what it keeps you going? I mean, you, what's, what inspires you? Is there somebody that you look up to that, that inspires you to keep going and, and uh, continue to celebrate this? Is there a, anybody in particular? I mean, I'd say Nona. Um, I, yeah. Nona, the Italian grandma, Delia Capra. She's just always been someone I look up to yeah. and have wanted to, you know, be like when I grew up. It wasn't so much like what I wanted to do. It was yeah. just who I wanted to be. And, um, so she's just so important to me. And, you know, I look up to my family and my dad and, and mom and just the people that, you know, I know their stories and, and the things that they've gone through and, and done. And so just well, try to do them proud and try to do the community proud. Yeah, and you're doing it, Jenna. You're doing them proud. You're doing the community proud. You're doing your 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 dad, your mom, your brother, um, your grandma, your nonna. She's going to be 90 years young next year. This is amazing. <laughs> And she's feisty and she's great. Yes. She's like 20 years younger. I mean, um, where can people get this issue? How can they pick one up? Um, what's your, this issue is about uh, Christmas, right? Or um, how can people support you and get, get a subscription? Yeah. All so we have a website, um, ondiamocolorado.com, which you said at the beginning of the show. Um, and there's a list there of where to find the paper. We're all over in different counties. A lot of Italian restaurants carry it. Um, you can go pick up a free copy at any of those distribution points. There's also a list in any issue. If you do get a, a hold of one, you can find where to find us. Um, to subscribe, it's really easy. It's just a $35 check and you get a 
full year subscription mailed to your door and that's you know convenient for people that don't live somewhere where they can't go grab a copy mm -hmm. or oftentimes people go to grab a copy and they're already gone so they have to you know hop from <laughs> deli to deli and stuff and that gets <laughs> a little old but um so it's really convenient and and it does support us um and of course if you have an italian business or service or organization and you want to advertise with us that always is appreciative and that's that's really what you know that's what keeps us printing so mm -hmm. And so the best thing to do is to, is to re go to your website at uh, andiamocolorado.com to get some subscriptions, to uh, do any kind of uh, advertising, to help support you and the, and the amazing women that are on your staff uh, to continue the work that you're doing in order to preserve and protect and, and honor our, our, our Italian-American heritage here uh, yep. in Colorado. That's fa fantastic. Um, we're almost done. I'm going to do a quick shout out here to everybody here at KUHS. Uh, we are KUHS, uh, the stream, uh, streaming here in Denver, Colorado. Uh, not only here in Denver, but all across the nation, all around the world, uh, touching people's lives. So many people. So we're, it's such an honor to be your be your host and, and and for you to trust in me to be able to bring you the best quality shows that uh, that we can produce out here and just thank henry archuleta and everybody here at kuhs for doing all the work behind the scenes that make this possible to make it as seamless and as possible and uh for all the work that you do thank you henry and everybody here at kuhs we've got amazing programs amazing music tune in at kuhsdenver.com Jenna, before we close, I always like to ask, I can't believe this. Isn't it amazing how fast these go? Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you could give, I, I ask all my guests this uh, before we close out. If you could give one bit of advice, one bit of wisdom from your life experience, what would it be? Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's a big ask. I, I don't know if it sounds too cynical to say, um, but I just think to realize that no one's really got everything figured out. Um, I think we're all learning and making things up on some level as we go. And it's easy to feel like you're not where everybody else is at times or you, you're not as good at something. Um, so, you know, when you feel like you're flying solo or you're in over your head, as I often feel, to just keep moving forward and keep keep going, keep improvising. And, you know, as long as you keep going and growing, then do the best you can usually wind up on your feet more often than not. <laughs> so. That's awesome. Thank you. That, that is just great. You're such an inspiration. Really, truly, really. <laughs> Thank you, Jenna, for sharing uh, your journey here with us today. That's Thank you really. for having me. I really appreciate it. Sure. <laughs> All right, folks, thank you for tuning in to the council today here on KUHS Radio TV Denver. The council is adjourned. May you all be well. May you all be free of suffering. May you all be whole. We will be back in a week with another great show for you. Tune in next week uh, here on Friday. We'll be back. Have a great weekend, folks. God bless. <laughs>